You're listening to Inside of You. That's my job. With Michael Rosenbaum. That's right, Rob. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Uh, you know, are you having a good uh, good week, Rob? Having a great week. I sounded like Dan Aykroyd. You having a good week there, Rob? I guess I hear it a little bit. Do you? Are you just... I'm just humoring you. Yeah, actually. I've never really done a Dan Aykroyd. You ever notice Dan Aykroyd always does the same impression? Like his, whether he's in a, a serious movie or a funny movie, it's always, yeah, here we are. That's how I'm talking now. I'm being serious or I'm being funny. Maybe that's just his that's your voice. Phone. That's not my phone. That's definitely your phone. Hey, we got a great guest today. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite podcasts ever. And you may not know this guy, but after this, you should. He's got a show called Finding Mastery. He's a sports uh, psychologist slash many, many other things. He is a tremendously knowledgeable man. Yeah, he worked with the Seattle Seahawks when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's it's the guy who jumped out of space. Yep, the Red Bull space jump. The Red Bull space jump, if you look it up. He was the guy who helped talk that guy who had uh, claustrophobia and other issues. You know, he's claustrophobic being up in this little capsule. And uh, Michael Gervais helped him uh, figure it out. So he then made the biggest jump ever. And then he talks about what it's like being the brother to Ricky Gervais. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. He's not uh, related to Ricky Gervais at all. But this guy is like, you know, I, I, this became real therapy. I think you're going to really, this is going to really help anybody out there with anxiety or depression or just like life shit and how to l look at things in a different way. He's motivational, He's but he's realistic and he uses... He has so much knowledge. Yeah, you tried really, really hard to get a free therapy session. I did. He was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. But, you know, we talked about some of his issues from a younger age. and just so you, you mostly tricked him into a free therapy session. Yeah, I did. Would have probably cost hundreds of dollars normally. That's true. He was amazing. Uh, I really hope you listen to this and you'll get a lot from it. I know you will. Inside of You is brought to you by Policy Genius. Do you have life insurance, Michael? Uh, I do have life insurance, Rob. Do you? I do not. I probably should. Well, let me tell you something. Life insurance is important. It's a little confusing, it, though. Yes, I feel. it's very confusing. And there's four out of ten people that don't have it because they're so confused by it. And what do they get? And what you know? It's uh, it's it, it is. It's a it's a pain in the ass. And maybe you're one of those people that are confused by this, like me or Rob. But if anything were to happen, it's important that you and your loved ones are taken care of. Besides, life insurance rates are the lowest they've been in 20 years. The best time to buy is now. PolicyGenius.com. The easy way to compare life insurance online. In just five minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find the best policy for you. When you compare quotes, you save money. It's that simple, Michael. Policy Genius has helped over 4 million people shop for insurance and placed over $20 billion in coverage. They don't just make life insurance easy. They compare disability insurance, renter's insurance, health insurance. If you care about it, they can cover it. So if you've been putting off getting life insurance like I have... There's no reason to put it off any longer. You can go to policygenius.com to get quotes and apply in just minutes. That easy, folks. You can do it right now while you're sitting here, and you should because rates are their lowest, like I said, in 20 years. It's policy genius. The easy way to compare and buy life insurance. Michael Gervais. Here he is. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Michael Gervais, uh, he brought his friend here today, Sully. Intern Sully? Sure. Sure. You can't hear him, but he's from Massachusetts. Massachusetts. How do you say it? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. 
<laughs> he just called me an asshole. He an asshole. Sorry, he's uh, he's a big boy. I thought he was mafia when you pulled up in your fancy car and Michael and uh, he was with you. And I was like, Jesus, he, he looks angry. Are they pissed? When we first met, he said, yeah, I don't need to say anything. Just say, uh, that's Sully. Pass the salt, please. <laughs> <laughs> is that it yeah that's it <laughs> jesus look it's good to have you on here i'm gonna be honest with you now we've had are we starting here already? i mean we're st- we just we start going we just start talking we're, just we're no... already starting with i need to be honest is that how we do it i mean i'm always honest okay, in fact right. rob my producer who's 28 years old can you believe that he's already got his shit together you think you think he's got no problems he's got a fancy attache case is that what you call it fancy what attache attache case what are you talking about have you ever heard of that word i have so why doesn't he know that i don't know i didn't know my producer was dumb <laughs> the fuck no but i'll be honest with you we have musicians we have actors we have athletes but i've never had oh a sports psychologist is that what you call yourself sometimes what else do you call yourself yeah no that's it i mean i mean for the most part you know you're much more that's than that's what the trade and become... training you know right. that's where it's from the reason i had you on the show is because I'm a Jew, and I wanted to save money on therapy. Mm, it works that way, huh? It works that way sometimes. Sully had a laugh at that. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks, mate. Because I deal with a lot of shit, and I know a lot of my listeners, and they might not be your listeners, but they will be, because you're a smart guy, and you're going to help with issues and problems, and this is why people come to you. Yeah, well, so and for clarity, it's sport and performance, right? So I actually spend more time than you would imagine in the arts. In the arts? Yeah. Really? Yep musicians for sure i mean you think about what they need to do they have to get in front of people oh just but the, but the <laughs> well you asked me i just answered dick. it yeah. no i wasn't but even the, being a dick no but the vulnerability required for that to really search your to, to do music well like to innovate and really do it well you got to go to places and so that's that's a big part of you know the path of becoming your very best and and sport performance psychology is the science and the art of how to use your mind to be able to um, to be you in any environment. All right, let's so let's go back. See, I want to go back because I want to see how you got involved in this, and I want to see what your 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 childhood was like. How do you become this this guy who coaches people and helps them and uses spirituality and uses meditation and uses all these things to help them be the best they can be? How fucked up were you as a child? So that's the question that's being begged, isn't it? Because yeah. I just, you know, I had I'm dysfunction. You look at me, you could see it. I look in your face and you're like this guy's fucked already. <laughs> you don't even know me. <laughs> it's perfect. You look at my house I'm 45 years old. I have I live like a child. I have toys and and jerseys and i i just i can't i'm 45 and i'm not married and i'm single and i have anxiety now it came out of nowhere i get some depression i i see therapy i do all these things and you're like why but then people say why would uh a seattle seahawks superstar have these issues why wouldn't he be so confident why wouldn't a musician have this confidence they have everything going for them mm-hmm. okay so anybody that's going to push into the edge the edge of whatever, fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. By definition, if you're on the edge, you don't have it together. And if you want to become your very best, if you want to understand the the richness of what lies dormant inside of you, because it lies dormant for most of us, then you got to get to the edge. And so therein lies why training the mind and conditioning the mind is an important part of the process. So I grew up on a farm and my parents, Where? yeah, in Virginia, my parents dropped out. So they were, they grew up in the city and then they said, um, in essence, like, we got to get out of the rat race. So more of a hippie thing than anything. So they moved to the country, 
I was chopping wood and carrying water at the age of eight, trying to figure out how to heat the house. And, you know, we didn't have running water. It was cold, you know, when it was out, when we're outside. That being said, it, it, I've realized that that can paint an image of something far worse than it was. It was loving. It was wonderful. It was uh, the four of us have a younger sister. And it was just this little nice little incubated place. Like now, a lot of support, a lot of, as a child, I mean, were you homeschooled? No, no, no. See, it paints that picture, right? Yeah, now, we were out. Picture. It was a dirt road. So I grew up with on in dirt roads. Do you um, like country music? No. You know, I mean, we were hillbillies. Jesus. It was hillbillies. But you don't like country music. I love music. Anything get my heart to thump, get my head to move, you know, like whatever. Like, I love Try music. some ecstasy. Yeah. That, that, that will really get your body going. It's <laughs> yeah. always been there. Uh, no, I don't do that uh, as much. Yeah. Anymore. Seldom. 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 Frequently. Anymore. If you're at Burning Man, you might pop a few mollies, <laughs> but everything's controlled. You know, you just it's it's you're it's not controlled actually. No, it's, it's wild. It's wild and yeah. uh, it's free and it's dangerous. Yeah, whatever you tell yourself though. So your your parents were cool. They were nice. They yeah, loved you. Yeah, they were you. good. Did your, did your dad say, "Michael, I love you"? Yeah, I I knew that and I felt it. And my dad was ripping and running though, where I had a hole, where I didn't have enough of my dad involved, and so he was looking back workaholic, alcoholic, addiction to other is things Is it just as, well. as bad as being an alcoholic, a workaholic? Same thing. It's the same thing. Same, oh, yeah, for sure, same thing. Yeah. Describe describe that. It's just someone who they don't even realize it's such an addiction that they, they don't know that they're working constantly and they can't stop. Yeah, well, so what addictions do or dependency or abuse of anything, really, could be ketchup. It doesn't matter what it is. It, it fills this hole to be real because we're filling, we're filling the empty space as opposed to listening to the empty space. And we all have pain, period, flat out. We all have suffering. You have pain? Oh, yeah. You deal with issues? Do you deal with pain? Do you have a psychologist? <laughs> yeah. You do? I, I've got a full-on tribe of people that they would say, Mike, you're one of the most intense people I know. And Jesus, dude, lighten up and this, and that, and the other. And so, yeah, like I've got a tribe of people that have my back. And, and, <laughs> I just and, thought of something funny. Yeah. I just thought of something. Can you imagine you going into your therapist and saying, he's like, what's your problem? I'm like, well, I just, I, I need, the, I need the confidence to give other people the confidence yeah. to be confident. <laughs> yeah. What? No, That's, no. We, yeah, we sorted that out a minute ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'll tell you, there's nothing comfortable and settling about being uncomfortable, and that's required. So, I'll tell you, I've, I've come from an anxious place. So, if there was a, a spectrum between depression and anxiety, and I was just fall on one side or the other, it'd be on anxiety. I, I would agree with yeah. me, yeah, not for, with you, because I don't you. know you, yeah. but me, right, yeah. yeah. And some people fall on the depressed side. And so I fall on the anxious side. And so because of that, there's there's things that come with it. You know, working too much, worrying too much, thinking too much. Um, and that's that's the spectrum that I fall on. It's interesting. I have so many questions. I have so many issues. I think of all these things. I just saw my psychiatrist a few days ago. Mm. And for the first time, I was seeing this... Uh, uh, cognitive behavioral therapist mm. for, you know, I've been starting to see him and he's, he's talking about seeing things positively when you, you know, instead of always negative, cause your brain's programmed to think negative, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to do stand up comedy. I'm going to fucking pass out. He's like, have you ever passed out? I'm like, no, but I've come close, but have you? No. So you, you haven't. So that's not really going to happen. It hasn't happened. It's not going to happen because it hasn't happened. And I'm like, fuck you. What does that mean? It could, but it could, but it could happen. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's working reality it's kind of trying to take reality and say, this is the reality and you're you're convoluting that yeah i mean good job right because the frontier is the mind it's the most amazing freaking thing in the world we don't know where it exists how much thoughts weigh where they go where they start we have no idea but we know that they matter and they're real and they shape our the texture of our lives so when so i've spent a lot of time asking people this question 
how many of you, like in a, a small room or a large room, um, in, in my mind, it's like two to 400 people. And I'll tell you about why I'm in those situations later. But how many of you have formally trained your mind? And now these are rooms with highly successful people. They're doing it. They're doing everything that they hoped they would do. They've got that job in, in their career. And less than 10% raise their hand to formally train their mind. So most people, you included likely, have gotten to where they are in their life without formally training the most powerful operating system in the world. So if you think about the mind and the brain, let's try to separate them. They're not easily separated, but let's try to separate mind, body, and brain for just a moment so that we can integrate them. That's the goal, right? To integrate the thing together sure. so that we can be fluid and progressive in the way that we live our life. And fluid. even your body. So, I mean, yeah, your, your, your brain percent. so you don't feel numbness and anxiety yeah. and all these things. It's like, right? It's one of the origins of yoga. Right. To do all the physical movement so that you can actually sit still long enough and pay attention to the inner experience. Do you do yoga? Yeah. yeah. Every day? No, 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 no. I'm not like that. Do you recommend yoga? Yeah, well. I have okay. back issues. So this is what I would say about yoga is that if you are naturally a limber type person, go lift some heavy weights. If you're naturally like inclined to lift heavy weights and be strong and get strong quickly, yeah, you probably need some yoga. So the yin yang is an important thing. If we only go to our strengths, we find out that there's a double edged sword there as well. So we want to go. We want to ex, we want to double down and triple down on our strengths, but also have a counterbalance to everything: mental, physical, whatever. But go back to the mind, brain, and mind body. and brain separating, right? So the brain is like this. It's not like it's three pounds of tissue in our brain in our skull that we have no idea really how it works yet, but it's powerful. And if you think about in, to oversimplify, if that's the hard drive. And the mind is a software. And if that's an easy way to kind of get an image, I think that that's the, the simplest, dumbest down version of how this unbelievably complicated, textured, nuanced experience that is happening right now for both of us is working. And if you don't program the software, the brain will win. The brain will run it. And the brain's designed to survive. It's designed to scan the world and find the dangers, to your point earlier. Right. And, but that's not your mind. Your brain is designed for that. Your mind's not designed for that. Your, your mind is programmed by your parents, by Muscle and Fitness Magazine. And it's also genetic. I mean, there's a lot, you know, well, your brain. Your brain, not your mind. Not your mind, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they say something, tell me if I'm wrong here. I read something, and I'm not a huge reader. I have a feeling you are. <laughs> 40% of our brain is genetic. 40% of how we think we can't change. So if I have manic depression... My mom's crazy as fuck. My sister's insane. My brother has it. I mean, it's just endless pill popping, just so far out there. Let me give you an example. My mother called me one day and she said, Michael, she's in tears. Gordon and I, Gordon's my stepdad. Gordon and I got into a fight. I'm in a hotel. I had three Valium. Not that you give a fuck. And hung up. That's my mother. The next day she calls me and she's like, hey, how are you, sweetie? So this is what I come from. So I know that I'm one of those people that probably have 40 to 50%. I'm kind of fucked. Mm. The other 50, I rely on people like you, Michael, <laughs> yeah. to help me get through it and think right and separate the mind and the brain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, though, it's, it's not that staunchy, rigid kind of, you know, psychology got a bad rap for a long time, right? Cause Why? You, you sneak it. Well, it was born out of the medical model. So the medical model focuses on what's broken. Like you break your arm, well, let's understand it, right? So you only go to the doc when you're broken. right? And then so psychology was born out of there. And so you'd sneak in the front office, your front door, and then scurry out the back door, you know, after a 45-minute session. It's not that anymore. That's that's long ago. That's not what it is anymore. Because there's a new field, the new science, about 40 years old, 60 years old now, which is the study of how the most exceptional people in the world work. 
And that's where I was orientated toward. And so it's no longer this idea that it's the study of the broken. It's how do you condition, train your mind to go the distance. And you really think you could change anyone's mind. You can make anyone. Because I read, I'm reading this book called The Feel Good Book. Feel good? I don't know. Well, it was a bestseller. Michael. Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, the, maybe I'm not reading as much as you think. The feel, maybe not. The feel good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm on page forty, so I, I've got a long way to go. It's a four hundred page book at least, <laughs> but I I skim it and I see the important things when there's like you know charts and things. I'm like, oh, I should probably look at these charts, pictures. Yeah, but I'm looking at it and it just has all these things of like how we think negatively and how we think. It said something like, "I'm sure you're one of those people who's thinking you can't help me. I can't be helped." I'm one of those people who's reading this going, no matter what you say, you can help all these other people, but you can't help me. Yeah. That, is that is that common? Yeah. Like you can't – I, I can't be helped. You can't you, – you're not going to say something or make me train my brain a different way. It sounds ridiculous. Well, there's – okay. There's a cynical view of life. And so if you're a cynic, anything kind of falls into that category. Right. And then there's people that just kind of have given up on themselves, you know, like kind of a hopeless – I don't know if it's within me to do that. Right. And so I, I don't know. I mean – but it sounds so campy, like you can train somebody's mind. No, the, you have to do it. I you have to do the work. I, I can't do it. Right. I, I don't even want to do it for you. Like, forget about it. If you want to do the work, great. Well, I want to do the work, yeah. but I need to be directed. No, by... no, no, no. That, that's wrong, too. It's wrong. But, but yeah. You've got to feel enough pain in your life to say I'm sick and tired of being fucking But tired. I am. No, well, then, then you go do I, the work. I go to cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, like, so you're a psychotherapist. The that's I'm how it taking works. a new <laughs> antidepressant that focuses mostly on anxiety. <laughs> I just started. I thought I was having anxiety attack when we started this thing. Did you? Yeah, I thought I was like, I was like I'm, a little, I'm a little anxious. If anybody could help me, it's him. I'm perfect. I get, look, I, I have, I've had a lot of success in my life. I've done a lot of things, but I think I never really thought about them. I got nervous. I got things, but it helped the anxiety and all these things were a healthy balance and it helped me and it programmed me. But I don't know. I got to a stage where I think sometimes I'll let it get the best of me or sometimes even nobody knows it. I still feel it. And I'm like, why do I feel it? It's making me less of a man. It's making me less of a, a talent. It's making me less. Uh, it's, it's, it just impeding me from being the best I can be. And it, fucks with me and i know a lot of people feel like that They're like oh you know what's what is this and how do we get that out of your mind you know what i mean yeah and i'm, I'm nodding my head because one you're doing it so you're already in it you're figuring some stuff out like that's it <laughs> it's not more complicated than that but at the same time that gap between the man or the woman that we are wanting to be and the way we feel inside the further the the distance between those two, the unhealthier that moment. And if those moments add up over time, the person becomes really unhealthy. If you want to be fill in the blank, loving and kind, whatever, or aggressive and this, that, and the other, but inside you're scared and you're angry and you're holding back and bitter, then whatever that gap is, is a measure of health. So alignment is the big game. Can you line up your thoughts, words, and actions, period? And if you can line those things up, is good shit happens. Like what, that's th amazing. Go, that's go, keep talking. No, that's this it. Is good. But, so you've got to figure out what what thoughts are optimized for you in the man that you want to be. That's deep. No one can give you that work. You have to do that work. That lonely based work, right? And so there's great thinkers of the world that have said that have been wrestling this for a long time. Inside of You is brought to you by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. This is an amazing platform. I use it on both podcasts. 
It has worked wonders for me. It's so amazing how easy it is to navigate. If you want to sell products, T-shirts, soap scents, whatever, whatever it is, Ryan, you want to sell, this is the way to do it. Uh, you can see what your best seller is right there, analytics, uh, how much you're making this month, uh, what products are selling the best. It's really fantastic. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Did you read the book As a Man Thinketh? Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's very short too. Yeah, it is. That's why I liked it. <laughs> yeah, me 25 too. pages. Yeah. But it just speaks volumes in these mm-hmm. few pages. Mm-hmm. And the way it speaks to me is just like, you know, I, I see it. I want to be like, you know, it talks about the weak man and his, you know, he has these weak thoughts. So he's the, the poor man and this, all this. And the, the straw man has these, you know, these, these good thoughts and I'm going to do this. And I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to balance my life with with health and work and and there's no balance forget about it like i i i think it's a mythical ridge line that does not exist that drives people crazy but it talks about purpose is what i was getting purpose at. is different see he talks about yeah purpose is very different yep. yeah he says you have to have purpose and i thought to myself oh my god because i look at rob and i've talked about this before and you go he's 28 years old but rob has a child and this is purpose and i have to make money and i have to I have to be strong and I have to give him love and affection because that's my purpose, my child. I don't know about his wife. I don't, I don't know about that, but she seems all right. But I look at my life and I, I thought, okay, purpose. What's your purpose? And I go, holy fuck. I don't exactly know my purpose. Well, I like making people laugh and feel good about themselves. Is that purpose? Sure. It yeah, is? For, yeah, for sure it can be. But there's got to be something deeper than that. Well, I don't know. I, the purpose has to be bigger than you. What's your purpose, Mike? Yeah, well, it's pretty clear for me. Like every day is an opportunity to create a living masterpiece. That's what I live by. The purpose, the the mission, if you will, is so that's I would call that a philosophy first, right? So there's two bookends: philosophy and uh, vision slash purpose. And then the the mission that I have here is to help one in five people, first in a company, maybe a team, right? And then in a company, if I'm working in a corporate world, and 
and maybe regionally, maybe nationally, maybe internationally, one in five people to learn how to condition their mind so they can be in the present moment more often. That's it. Because I, I know that if all of us have five friends, so if I can help one, there's going to be like a pond, a pebble in the pond ripple that takes place. And all the good stuff in the world happens in the present moment, period. That's where high performance happens. That's where love happens. That's where connections happens. That's, that's where adjustments take place, where artistry takes place in the present moment. So if I, I, I feel like I'm so grateful to learn from extraordinary doers and then I've spent, uh, and thinkers, and I've spent too many years studying the science of it to be able to not pass that on and challenge the shit out of people in the right way and support them and love them in the right way so that they can learn how to be present. The last thing I'm going to do is give people advice. But you, it does not work. But you're insinuating, you said something that struck me. You said being present. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's a huge component? Oh, yeah. I mean, go back to how the mind's working. Or, I'm sorry, how our brain is working. Is that it? the natural organized way that the brain works is to scan the world and find what's dangerous. Our ancestry gave us that gift. And then so if that's the case, then our mind, in if, if it's over-programmed or over-influenced uh, by the brain, we're going to start thinking about things that could go wrong as well. And so all of that busyness pulls us into the future, pulls us into away from now. We don't even know if it's necessarily the future. So to condition your mind, the natural state of the mind is like a drunk monkey. Have you heard that? Uh, no. For some of us, it's double-fisted. It's, it's all over the shop. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Curious, sloppy, easily, you know, right. easily distracted. So a disciplined mind is rare. Right. And that's the mind that can come back to now. Like Mr. Over, Miyagi. Yeah, exactly. Miyagi yeah. was disciplined. He, yeah, right. He wasn't distracted. That's right. He was focused on his trees. Yeah. His right, bonsais. Right here, right now. Right. So that, that would be a form of mindfulness training. And so mindfulness, you use the word meditation, which I don't use often. Mindfulness, because me meditation comes with baggage. Nothing wrong with it. It's a beautiful ancient practice. But in the alpha competitive worlds that I live in and work in, that word has, it's got too much behind it. There's too much luggage on it. So we use the word mindfulness. because Mindfulness. Can, you can hyphenate it, mindfulness training. <laughs> mindfulness training. And so training is an accepted thing. There's only three things as humans we can train. You can train your body, you can train your craft, and you can train your mind. That's it. And the folks that are on the tip of the arrow, they are, they very clearly, most of them, there's no kind of one single theme for all of them, but there's, most of them say, I'm not leaving one of the three legs to the stool up to chance. The mind is important, so I want to train it. Like, I want to be great. It's weird because you say, I don't give advice. How do you go? I mean, I know we jumped from childhood. We were going into your childhood, which I liked. Because how do you get from being this child who's who's loved, but Pain. father's a workaholic? Pain. Pain. Suffering. You. Me. Yeah. You suffered. Yeah. As you haven't. I suffer daily. Okay. Bowley. Yeah. And psychologically, <laughs> Rob, you suffer? Yeah. You do. Come on, Rob. How do you what do you suffer how, how with? You, yeah, how do you suffer? This is the you first time like you've you opened up. Yeah. He's opening up for the first time. What do you suffer from? I would call myself a workaholic. I work a lot and try to keep myself busy so that mm -hmm. the, my mind is busy. So you suffered. I, I, look, I, I hate to say this, but I want to hear about your suffering because somehow it helps people me included, understand that you 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 don't just have it together. You work to have it together. Oh, yeah, yeah. To get it together. A thousand percent. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about, but the idea that we have to work, we have to train and condition our body, craft, and mind, and getting that alignment between our thoughts, words, and actions, that's what it's about. But alignment for whom? For you. 
not for me, not for mom, not for dad, not for, you know, it's not those. You can't do it for other people. No, no, no. Do it for yourself. Yeah, and, but, they, but they have programmed us. Before we could barely speak, they were programming, right? And, and so that early software programming was influenced first by our parents. And you might have had world-class parents. Uh, do <laughs> you think I did? The way you described it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but there's yeah. an asterisk next My to it. My dad was a workaholic too. Yeah. So they, they were probably trying to do their very best. Most people I know are trying to do their very best and ill-equipped in some ways and over-equipped in other ways. And I don't know anyone that says, you know what? I'm just a bad human. And it's my fault that the world, that people are suck in the world or, you know, or, or I've thought of myself sometimes negatively, like, I'm just not a great person. And then I go, yeah, you are. You do all this stuff. But sometimes it's just like those negative thoughts because something happens or this, or you didn't do something right. Or you acted a certain way and you're like, you feel bad. It's ephemeral. It doesn't, you know, last long, Rob. That's what ephemeral means. Short lived. Now you, you diverted. You, you, uh, no, no, no. I don't want to. You deflected though. <laughs> Uh, you you went away. I'm, tr- I'm trying to be useful here. My pain, I'm not sure, is useful. Uh, like for I you. think it is. Okay, then I'm happy to explore that with you. Really? Believe yeah. it or not, I'm walking on air. Do you remember that song? I do. Yeah, that was a great show. The greatest American hero, Squirrel. <laughs> Squirrel. That's exactly. I am. Look, my I have ADD. This is sort of. I'm successful in a lot of ways because of that. My mind goes works with all these things. I'm thinking of things and songs and, and I'm going to write something crazy and I'm going to sell a TV show and thank God for that. So I don't want to lose that. I just want right. to sort of mm-hmm. kind of be present and learn how to do that. So by doing that, I look at someone like you and you're extremely successful. And by the way, very handsome. I'm not gay. Oh, thank you. But you're very handsome. Well, thank you're you. my age. That's maybe, awkward too. Maybe a little, is it awkward? You got to be comfortable with your sexual, sexuality in this world. Sully? It's very thumbs up. <laughs> So look, I just I like to hear this stuff because it, what it does for me, if I see successful people that talk about their suffering and their anxiety or things that happen to them, it makes me relate to them and it makes me feel better about myself and I think it helps people. Right? Yeah, I think you're on the money. There's a good science that miserable, uh, misery loves company, yep. but it's actually miserable people like miserable company. So like there's a trap to fall into, which we just talk about the pain and the shit and the ugliness and the suffering. And okay, now we're bonded over what, (laughs) you know, like that we're suffering. So here here it is for me is that there's an emptiness, a void in in the pit of my stomach growing up and looking, this is all looking back, Mm -hmm. right? And which is easier to do. But, and I remember one day saying to my mom, like, um, she goes, Mike, are you happy? And I said, I don't know. I feel like there's an eighth grade, seventh grade. I feel like there's an emptiness inside me. What, what seventh grader is saying like there's an emptiness. So that would lead to some, to think that there's some depression brewing, right? Something, but there was an anxiousness built with, with that. And it was because my dad was ripping and running, doing his thing. And I was kind of the man of the house. And I got that message early, be the man of the house at six. What do you mean? You know, at eight, what, 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 what? I'm not, I'm just not the man of the house at yeah. 45. <laughs> man of the house. So, okay. So that happened. Right. And there's no anger about this, but that was part of the conditions. And then, the game to look good rather than be good was real for me. And it, there's a name for that now called cognitive dissonance. And it's similar to what I was talking about before, cognitive meaning, you know, the mental processes and dissonance meaning in a harsh sound or harsh tone. So cognitive dissonance is when we have cognitive dissonance, it's said to be one of the more painful experiences humans because we're not lined up. It's not working right. And so for me, I was more concerned at a young age about what people were thinking of me than actually being me. And I bet you, you can relate to that. No? Dude, 
You just nailed it on the fucking head. Yeah, I, I mean, mean come yeah. on. I mean, this is what I I got. This is what I just want to get over. I just want to, like, you know, I've thought about honestly. There's just points in my life where I have thought of like saying, "Fuck this business. I'm moving back to Indiana. I'm just going to buy but a you've farm. Got a gift, I don't want right. Yeah, but you got a gift. So now, now that's playing it safe and small, and like reverting down to a lower version of you. You got a gift. You got a creative way that you right. organize thoughts. You've got a, a frantic, fun, frantic, frantic, fun energy about you. Like, how do you harness and use that so that whatever your mission in life is amplified? That's that's the work. And it's focus. And it's like – and it's not being too all over the place. It's yeah. kind of zoning in on like, hey, focus on this instead of all these things, which the ADD is like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? So that that happened for me at a young age. And then and then it all, it all magnified through my first sport that I really love was surfing. And there's two types of surfing. There's free surfing and there's competitive surfing. And there's the web. Mm. <laughs> See? Well, I mean, I'm just. Well, I mean, there's three. I was, I was like, surfing. I was so serious. I'm bearing my soul. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, I'm no, just no, adding no. a little humor. Yeah, no, and so, um, yeah. So <laughs> there's three types of surfing. Yeah, one right. that was not was not invented at the time of the story. That's true. It was not invented. Yeah. So, um, all right. So I, I'm. So I am trying to sort out. Uh, as a free surfer, it's good. I'm out with the boys. It's great. I'm looking for opportunities to push limits. Like I, I grew up a bit off access. I like that off access view of the world. Right. And so, you know, as often as we can put ourselves in the pit of a wave or paddle into something that everyone was scared about, that's how you get like the, 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 the knowing that you have what it takes. And you also get lots of praise. Okay. So I was drunk by the praise, drunk by trying to get approval from other people. I didn't know better. I'm a 15 year old kid trying to sort it out. And so then come time for competition judges the beach is semi-full like not really it's not it's not what you imagine it's like a 15 year old kid contest you know and it's not like spicoli and no. times of Richmond, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that. so um so at that on those moments i was a shell of myself i couldn't access my mind so you know the term choking right so there's choking choking there's yeah like when you, you choke choke you just, yeah. yeah 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 so there's choking micro choking performing uh, performing under pressure and thriving under pressure. That's a very accepted model. And there is a way to dissolve pressure. I'll get to that later if, if, if yes. we have time. But so I was, I would choke. And so what that means, the you way at the lowest level, the yeah, choke the is choke, fifth, fifth, like that's, it's, it's the bottoms. And what that really means though, is that my mind was choking off access to my body and craft. So it was, I, I was like, it was like a pinhole where my talent was so, trying to come through. Not possible, not effective, not awful. And it's just based on thought patterns, right? So every thought leads to a thought pattern and thought patterns lead to thought habits. And somewhere in there, we got to get good at recognizing the more optimal thoughts, you know? And it doesn't mean positive, like, hey, let's hold hands. Right. That's not what that means. Okay. So I didn't realize it. So I'm struggling out in the water. I can't feel my feet. I'm disconnected completely. Anxiety. I'm motherfucking myself out in the water. Yeah. It was, it was full anxiety. Right. What am I worried about? What they were thinking of me. What they were thinking. And that's, they had, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, they had nothing to do with my life, but I made that. I gave them all the free rent that you could imagine. And so they're in my head. They're, they're like, but it's subtle. It's so subtle because it's not like I was sitting out back in the water saying, okay, if I don't get this wave, they're not going to love me. If I don't get this wave, they're going to laugh at me. If I don't, it's not, it's way more subtle. It's almost subconscious. Fully, completely because of the regular thought patterns I was having throughout the day, they just show up, but they're, it's like a pattern of tension as soon as people start watching. 
And it, I'm telling you right now, I, I hope you can relate, but it's a broken experience. It's painful. It sucks. It's the worst. You train your ass off to be able to be fluid, to be free, to be on the edge. And there you have an opportunity and you become a shell of yourself. You know, can I interject? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, shocking. <laughs> Please. <laughs> no. I feel what that does you're missing out on feeling how much you enjoy what you're doing. You, f- you know, how much you want to do it, how good you could be, your potential, your, your, and all that is being erased because you're worrying on something that you can't control. Yeah, if we think about that, I just like it, harmony, like if there's some sort of harmony about what you're talking about, where there's an alignment, where there's a fluidness, where there's a joy, where there's an, a, the ability to really express, it all becomes dampened by or dampened by the anxious mind the worried mind. And so I had zero tools. There was a, a competitor. He was a grown man in, in our heat. There's only three guys out. It's like six foot surf. It's beautiful, glassy out in the ocean. Exactly the images that we would hope to be able to surf in those conditions. And he paddles by me. And he Let's surfed. go meditate. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And he paddles by and he says, Gervais, you got to stop worrying about what could go wrong. And I thought, oh my God, like, how does he know? Like a good competitor, he didn't tell me what to do. He just dropped that little gem in there and paddled off and he won the heat. So, you know, <laughs> right. but I, but, the, but looking back, there was a light bulb moment for me. And that light bulb moment was, oh my God, like, yeah, I can actually choose thoughts to help me. I had no idea that there was a field of sports psychology of psychology period. I had no idea. And so there's this thing called a DSM, Diagnostical Statistical I know DSL. DSL. I'm not going to repeat. This is more intense than that. Yeah, this is more Actually, intense. the DSL is life-changing. DSM is just this big book of, of the diagnostic criteria for craziness, you right. know, for schizophrenia, this, that, and the other, depression, anxiety. And so I keep in my DSM, okay, all the disorders, all the characteristics of disorders, my high school report card, because I took psychology as a either junior or senior, I should go back and look. You know what I got? A C. F. Did you get an F in psychology? I didn't understand it. And no, I think it was a junior year. I had no idea what these guys were talking about. And so I was in a different world. Then I had these painful experiences. And then I, I, I had some mentors and these mentors wrapped their arms around me. And they're like, come here, kid. You know, let me show you the world of the invisible. And so it was a theologian, a psychologist, and a philosopher. And so How old like are you? Joke. Okay. So the, the longer part of the story is my mom got, uh, I was at the... Senior year, and I got a zero on my SAT. I went surfing. So I had no uh, hope to go to school, right? SAT, the yeah. college. I was like, exam. wow. Yeah, zero. You didn't get one, right? Strong, <laughs> I know. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah, and I'll put your name down. You get like 200 points or something. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I skipped it. And and I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't. You didn't care. I didn't care. I was more interested in other things. So at the end of the year, my parents were like, we tried. They didn't go to school. They didn't know the path. Loving parents, but they didn't know what to do. And uh, they said, we tried, we tried. And so you either have to get a job and get out or you go to community college. I said, I'm not going to community college. That's for losers. <laughs> like I had any options. And they said, okay, there was a school right up the road called Marymount College. It's a junior college, private junior college. And I knew that there was a world-class surf break right next to it. So I was like, perfect. I know how to go to school, fake school. And goes, right? Yeah. Perfect. I'll do that for two years. And then I'll be damned. I tested into remedial math and remedial English. Hmm, sounds familiar. Sounds awful, doesn't it? But you know, um, I wanted to. I wanted to give it a give it a go. And then these three professors, best friends, Dr. Kuzio, Zenka, and Perkins, and they showed me 
the world and the invisible. No one ever had to ask me to read a book again. It's like, boom, it caught on fire for me. I read as much as I could get my arms around the, the original thinkers of psychology, the deep theories that were being challenged at the time, what they were. No one in my, no one in my family went to school. Then I finished bachelor's degree, started my master's degree. Where do I go? I keep going to psychology, but it was, a, it was Pepperdine, but it was the study of the broken. It was traditional psychology and I dropped out. My parents were like, damn, we thought we had one. <laughs> you know, but like, at this point, yeah. you know, from the guy, uh, Spicoli saying, hey, dude, stop thinking about things. Stop thinking about what other people think. You know, that's why you're losing. And he swims off and he wins the heat. And then, you know, you where at what point did you you stop thinking about what other people thought? It was a slow drip because I started to become more interested in the science of it. And then um, I'll tell you this story. I was waking up. It's like second or third semester in junior college. And I'm trying to keep it all together. I've got a girlfriend at the time. Now my wife. My, I'm waking up in the morning with such anxiety that by the time I was brushing my teeth, my hands were shaking. Dude, Jesus. That, that was awful. Yeah, I get lightheaded sometimes. Yeah, you, get, you, get light, like, you get lightheaded. You get just, the numbness. You're ungrounded. You the, it's just ungrounded. You feel disconnected. You feel tired. You feel all these things. Just so many thoughts. <laughs> but there's yeah, only one place to like, be. What the fuck? Yeah. All you're I brushing needed to your do, fucking teeth. Just brush Mike. my teeth. Just brush my teeth. Maybe huh? floss. Yeah, that's good too. So, so that's where it started. And I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, literally. And so I didn't have traditional crutches you know, to go to, I wasn't going to do alcohol and drugs just because I grew up in it and I wasn't going to do that. So it was work. It's workaholic for me for sure, but I didn't know what to do. So it was just anxiety period. And I'll tell you where that's come uh, full circle. I think that this insight is a game changer for me is that the model that, that we, not just me, but we need to do more to be more. We need to do extraordinary things to be extraordinary. It's caused great fatigue in our, in our current culture and it's broken. So we need to flip it on its head. We need to be more and let the doing flow from there. We need to be more grounded, be more present, be more authentic, be more expressive, be more thoughtful and let the doing flow from there. And that I think is one of the ways to unlock people's potential. And you slowly learned this and came up with it, not came up with it, but for me, it would be taking like, you know, tons of different theories on acting and going, I like that with Stanislavski said, and you take uh, what uh, Strasberg said, and you know, I like what he said, but not all of it. And you kind of combine it to like what works for you. Is that what you sort of did? Well, I want to be thoughtful how I answer that because I get to stand on the giants of great science and scientists, and I'm not working to hijack that science because I respect it. I need to make it work for me though. And I'm in different ecosystems than they were. So many of them were in laboratories and I'm in alpha competitive, rugged and hostile environments with the most alpha competitors in the world. So I want to be thoughtful how I answer that. Yeah. So, you know, and I'll tell you why. One, Zenka, Dr. Zenka, one of those early mentors, we were studying world religions and he says, so I, I go, oh my God, Buddha says this, this, and this. That's amazing. And Jesus said this, this, and Confucius said this, this, and this. And Muhammad is cracking about that. And that. why don't we just take all these ideas together? Like, this is amazing. Like, drop some of the weird stuff. And like, this is, and he says, and he just looks at me, this is in front of the whole class. And he says, Gervais, you think that um, you know better than Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, and Confucius all put together? 
It's <laughs> like, no, but and he says, Okay, well, why don't you write your own book? <laughs> Start with one idea. <laughs> Come on, kid. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So so I I'm the thoughtful. world would be better, wouldn't it, if you just joined all those things, all those thoughts? Hey, Jesus was right, Muhammad was right, the whole world there'd be peace, world peace. They say hey, we're all right. <laughs> we're all right, which makes us all right. You know what I'm saying? They they're more similar than dissimilar. It's crazy how we've had more heads lopped off in the in the name of religion than uh yeah we can mm. get into that mm. we yeah. could certainly get into that we don't have to get into that but we could get into that um mm-hmm. i mean it's just it's an amazing have you read victor frankl's book no oh dude jewish right yeah you got to read victor frankl's book really man search for meaning read the first like 150 120 pages write that down there. rob wait we're yeah. recording it i could just listen to it mm-hmm. never mind uh so suddenly you're i don't know how in your 20s now you're you're thinking right by this point, you've got your shit together, would you say? No, no, but I'm starting to understand the, the psychology of the science of it. Are you still surfing competitively at all? No, I did. That sounds like I was good. No. Right. <laughs> I was surfing a lot, but not competitively. But you, I think it's impossible to not ever care what people think. There is a freedom that comes on the other side of loving other people and then not giving really a shit what they think of you. Like you can decouple that. You can love them deeply and not be beholden by what they think of you. And you really feel like that's who you are. You, you, yeah. Really... Like, like we just met. I don't care what you think of me. I'm gonna, my job is to be me. I care what you think of me. Yeah, I know. That's I you're, you're going to be trapped by it. Yeah, I but, don't... but I can still have love for you. Like, like I, I love the exchange that we're having. Yeah, I love that your ideas are are percolating and that we're trying to figure out how to meet in the middle. Yeah, and but like, why why would you care what I think of you? I'm going to leave. Yeah, after but this. you know, part of me wants you to be like, hey, Sully. That dude was kind of fun. He's cool. I don't want you to be like, God, man, he's fucked. What, what, he what? has no chance. So and then say, I'd be like, I wonder if he's thinking that. And if he thinks that, then I really yeah. am fucked. That's where it goes, right? That, I know that. I know that game. I know it really well. And, yeah, I, I know. You're right. You're right. I should be like, hey, you know what? I'm me. I can't change me. I'm trying to be nice and fun and, and whatever. And then he'll think whatever. And it, it shouldn't even occur to me. I shouldn't even care. You can No, you can change. And it doesn't. it does not matter really but like if you spend as much time this is me speaking let me speak to myself first if mm-hmm. i spend as much time paying attention to how i want to think and be and feel as opposed to what i want people to think and feel about me it's a ma- it was a massive change for me massive change so that's the lonely work though that's what we were talking about earlier you've got we have to do the lonely work pen and paper is one of the great ways to do it inspire deep rich conversations and then right, you know, uh, meditating or using mindfulness. Those are the three ways I think to get really to the center of stuff. Deep, rich conversations. Yeah, like with, what we're I mean, having. I don't know if this is because I, I think about Jesus, what, now. You're judging me. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm judging the quality of our conversation. <laughs> yes, and I mean, there's a layer that lacks intimacy in this conversation, um, which is, but there's fun. We can so, hold hands if you want. We could do that. Sure. But like this conversation you know, is different than if, let's say the microphones were not on and the questions are, and maybe you don't care about the filters of the microphone, it doesn't matter, but, and we're really talking about you and where you need to go to be great yeah. and the pains uh, and suffering that you feel and how to, you know, move through that. It, there's a different tone to it. You're right. I'd probably cry. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Rob, <laughs> you'd cry too. When was the last time you cried? I just I told my psychiatrist this. I go, there's got to be something wrong with me because I, I I like I will cry. Pre- like I was rep, watching rep, the, more I, reptile. I was watching The Price Is Right. Mm. 
And uh, I don't know, this woman who just didn't seem like she had her shit together or was broke and whatever, and she won. It was just like a... She won a lot of money, and she was so happy. And I don't know. I wouldn't tell most people this, but I'm telling you this on my podcast. But I teared up a little bit, and I thought there's something wrong with you because you're crying at the prices, right? Nah, so, That's so, what I thought. So I ask that question a lot to alpha competitors. When's the last time you felt so much you let go? And you'd be surprised. They are not reptiles. They you cry? Know? Yeah, you'd be surprised. They let it go. They live right on the edge. I mean, they're full of passion. Do you think that's why they're, you know, you hear a lot of times like, football players or athletes they're so they have to be so focused and so on edge and so like ready to go that they come off as sometimes you know nasty or assholes or whatever it's because it, it's not personal it's like they can't do that they can't get too soft because they got to focus on how to being great well there's a lot of different ways than personality types on you know for football players or any sport for in, in that matter so there is a, a required intensity to do well in that rugged environment. So there's no one way. Have you dealt with like, okay, I got to help this person and they're not pleasant to be around. Yeah. I, I, do you have to get a call? N- no. So you sure. Turning off my phone. Oh, you were. Oh, I thought yeah. you had it. Cause look, you're like, you know, you're an important person. Like, listen, if somebody, if you the need the most I, important person right now is, you. but listen to me, I would completely understand if you go, Hey, I got to help this guy. This athlete's about to kick a field goal. And I need to fucking help him out. I need to get this call. That's not how it works for me. That's not how it works. No, no, I mean, no, he's no, just, yeah. he's got the Finkel in him. You know, it's like dumb. You know, Laces it's like out. laces out Finkel. Yeah. It's Ace Ventura. Do you deal with guys like that? I deal with lots of different types. There are, there are people that I learn more from and there's people that definitely do a lot of the learning as well. <laughs> so there are, you'd be surprised like on the world stage, it is not what you imagine. I know you only deal with athletes, it seems like. No, no, no. Well, I mean, go back to musicians, because you said Enter- yes. entertainers. Have you ever dealt with an actor before? Yeah, yeah. One on one? Oh, yeah. Really? Would you do it again? I have some money. <laughs> I will pay you. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how I my hope business, I get a discount because yeah. I think people are going to really love this uh, podcast. But, like, I think, I personally think <laughs> you could help me because you know I'm a little crazy. Yeah. You know I'm a little out there. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't give advice, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm willing to do the work here. I'm doing the little things. I am trying every day to be a better person, to be, to not give a shit. To so your first, the first part of your work then is to figure out like, what is your personal philosophy? What are the guiding principles for your life? And if you could get it out in 25 words or less, that's a significant piece of work to do for yourself. And then if you could get it down to four, three, two word, one word, you know, like, like think about it though. What did let's go back to the big spiritual leaders? What did Jesus stand for? What love? Love. He had phrases around it: "Do unto others as you." you uh, I see what you're saying. So, like, right? So, it, it, but he came in and said, "Okay, listen, it's about love." What what did what did Gandhi stand for? What did Martin Luther King Jr. stand for? What did Mother Teresa stand for? What did you know? Think about these big love, shapers. Peace. Yeah, pretty much. Happiness. Equality. Equality. Yeah. You know. Okay, so that doesn't mean it has to be yours or mine. But what are they? How do we know theirs? They were so clear. Every room they came in, every conversation they had was about that. And so, when you get that alignment, those are easy models. You can also look at the great political leaders and shapers of the world, and even like Elon Musk. You know, like great entrepreneurs and, and CEOs, is that they're really clear about what they stand for. They're really clear about the vision they have for the future and the mission that they're on right now. You get those three things right. Vision, mission, and philosophy. I think it's a significant step. Could you help Donald Trump? 
I don't, if Donald Trump wants to do some work, that'd be... He'd I'd call be, you and say, Michael, I need some help. Jesus. Can and you the imagine? next day you're fired. Yeah. Can, can you imagine? Happen. Yeah. That would be something. This is incredible because you talk about, you know, you go to school, you get your degree, you're starting to fall in love with this. You have these theories. And the next thing you know, you're working with the Seattle Seahawks. You're working with uh, uh, Baumgartner. What's his name? Felix Baumgartner. Felix Baumgartner, who the 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 highest jump in history, twenty eight thousand, one hundred thirty thousand feet. I was a hundred thousand off. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know about this, Rob? Yeah, you tell me about this. Yeah, Rob, where were you when he jumped? I don't. You didn't watch it on TV. It crashed YouTube. Fifty million people. Oh, it was when he jumped from the sky. When he jumped from the sky. Yeah, Red Bull. Yeah, I don't. Red Bull I was in Chicago. I don't Do you remember it? Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, it crashed. It like literally took down. It was it was unbelievable. I'm so fortunate to be part of that project. How, how did this happen? Did, I mean, first of all, how do they pick a guy who has doubts? <laughs> I mean, first of all, they're like, "All right, this is the guy that's going to do it. He's going to jump the highest." He's like, "But he but he has doubts. I don't know if we're going to go through this, with it." No, no, that's great. This was a long process. You know, it was how many years? M- multiple years. I think it was somewhere around six, maybe eight. You know, I, I don't know the exact math on it, but I came in about halfway through, and. This is, I think, this is an important lesson like to think about because these were the most advanced, some of the most advanced thinkers in aerospace, and this was a real project. This wasn't a stunt. This was trying to sort out um, what happens if we're going to Mars. What happens at one hundred thirty thousand feet if we press eject? Will our arms and limbs rip apart if we hit the speed of sound, uh, Mach one? Will our head and torso be traveling at that speed, and would our arms and limbs rip off? And so it's a real investigation. Amongst other things, that was just one of the curious questions. And halfway through, they had built the great technology. They had all of the equipment was right on. They had strategies that were wonderful. So the craft was right and the body and equipment and all that stuff was really on point. But they missed the what I would consider from my vantage point the most important skill, which is to think clearly under duress. And so he was a, he is the strong man. And so people like him are changing the world, but not because of what he did alone, because if you just, if you didn't know that he struggled and if you didn't know that he had real fear, you'd say he's crazy and he's not, you'd say that he's born that way and he's not, Yeah, he's just like us. He had to work. He had a vision. He had an idea. He didn't know if he could do it. Nobody knows if they could do it. Even the brightest minds in aerospace didn't know if they could do it. So when you push to the edge to our er- earlier thought, by definition, you don't know if you have the capabilities or capacities to do the thing. You don't know if you can think or move fast enough or eloquent enough to survive. And that's what pressure feels like, right? On stage. I don't know if oh, I can yeah. think fast enough or yeah. move fast enough to, to survive. Or remember what I'm going to say or remember what I'm going to do or how I do it. What's the next step? It's like, am I going to, am I going to, I'm programmed to do this. I've rehearsed this. I should know it. I can't mess up. Uh, you know, it's thinking clearly, thinking logically, thinking straight. It's, it's. Right. Yeah. And there's part of you also that loves the improv nature and the, the spike of adrenaline comes from not knowing. Except right? you probably wouldn't improvise when you're 130,000 no, feet up. Exactly right. <laughs> uh, you know what? Maybe I'll start with a joke. <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm Rodney Dangerfield here. All right. All right. I'm going to press this button. I'm going to jump 130,000 feet up. I tell you. All right. Here we go. Uh, Classic. No, no. So, so he's a str- he is the strong man in the arena and he puts up his hand and says, I need help. You know, I can't, I can't keep doing it. 
that took balls just to say that because he's like, they're going to think I'm weak. They're going to think of this. They're going to use someone else or they're going to cancel the whole thing, blah, blah. And by the way, did you have to – do you sign confidentiality agreements? With everyone. Mm-hmm. Right, because I have only my, my assistant. Like, you know, it's like, hey, if I talk about, you know, I had a – I don't have hemorrhoids. But if I did, you know, you can't tell people I have hemorrhoids. So I think things are probably a little more uh, – what's the matter? Rob, this is my analogy. Um, <laughs> it's the go-to, huh? It's the go-to. Well, I don't have hemorrhoids, just yeah. to make it clear. I'm perfectly smooth down there. They're gone? They're, they're, no, they're not gone. I never had them. I might have had pushed too hard, and it was like a little bubble. I don't think it was a hemorrhoid, though. I think we all have that. <laughs> Are you enjoying this? Where have we gone? I listened to a podcast. <laughs> that, you know, you, you interviewed this guy. I listened to it. It was with the guy who had a – on the news, he was speaking, and he – kind of oh yeah dan harris dan harris he's great he's a, com- a commentator and all this and you know i listened to you guys for a while and it was very you know intelligent very focused very you know and i find it fun it was fun it was a really good podcast your podcast is great it's called the master uh come on the mastery <laughs> finding mastery finding mastery that's good it's good good attempts i appreciate yeah it. yeah finding yeah. mastery and i listened to it and i was like it's great i'm like huh man he's he's really a smart serious guy i don't know he's going to like me. I said, maybe that's why I got anxiety. Cause I'm like, maybe he's going to come on. I just figured it out. I'm worried about like, he's such a serious guy. I'm not, I don't, you know, I am serious, but I use it in a different way because it's kind of layman's terms. I want my listeners to understand things. I want me to understand things. Rob, a few minutes ago before you came, he said, uh, I think it's ignorance that makes people really like you. And I said, thank you. It just seems like you're naive in a way, but you just, you make it you, like you could ask anything and it doesn't feel like invasive. Do you feel that way, Michael? I do not feel that you're invasive. Okay. I think that's good. <laughs> no, I, I, th- I think what you just had is like an aha moment, right? Like, oh my God, I think I just figured something out. Yeah. You know, right, right. And was I worried about what he was thinking of me? Who cares? Who cares what I think? Like, really? I'm not going to change my podcast and go, well, I'm going to wear a suit right, and tie. Exactly, right. We're going to go to some studio and I'm like, so um, your theory in college, your thesis, you right, wrote exactly. Michael Gervais all the way. And what I gathered from that was that you were a real, right? So I can't do Did that. You, were you just mocking me? Is that what that was? No, no. Yes, just, yes. No, but, but I wasn't mocking you. I, I find you incredibly, a little bit. <laughs> I find you incredibly uh, engaging, incredibly bright, incredibly comforting. I don't have a fear at all anymore. Look at I that. think you've cured me. Look at that. Um, so but the confidentiality agreement. So you can't tell me that this guy, Baumgartner, he said, uh, Okay, you ready for this? And you're, and I'm sure, as uh, someone who works with, you never know what to expect. What is it going to be this time? You sure, you're sure that it's one thing. It's going to be there's anything you could handle. There's nothing that someone's going to say that you're not going to handle. I'm not as surprised as I once was. There's still some surprising things that come up. Like, what's the time. weirdest thing someone said? And you could change something to sure. Make- yeah, and so let me finish that thought on confidentiality yeah, first. Sorry. Is that yes? So he he has made it public. So they, the athlete or performer or executive or client, if you will, once they make it public, then it is public. And, but that it. doesn't mean that I can talk anything about what we did. So the fact that we did work together, that's public. He made it public. And um, so that's the end of that story, right? Like What? That's it. That's I thought it. it's public so I could read about it. Yeah, you can read it. Like he's talked a lot about it. And there's a documentary that's coming out on it. And so Has he won, anyone ever said, Michael? Like the weirdest thing. For instance, my um, uncle's a psychologist. He had one person come in. One, this is a true story. I'm not trying to be funny, but he walked in and they had talked to each other. A, <laughs> you're waiting for something. And he's like, what's your what's your issue? He goes, I won't go outside. Usually you're an agoraphobic. He's like, no. Um, well, 
I, I guess so, but um, I fear that I'm going to shit my pants in public. That was honest to God. He thought he had a fear that he was going to shit his pants. That's a tough way to go, isn't it? Could you handle something like that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'd have to make light of it first. Have you had any... <laughs> have you ever met somebody that's just like, um, I feel like when I'm about to kick this football, my pants are going to fall down in front of 50,000 <laughs> people and all the NFL and they're going to, you know... God, or I have a book. I have not had that one. I have, I have or not I have, had that one. I always feel like I'm not handsome enough. I look old on camera. Uh, what, what have you had? What are some things that you could talk about? Here's from? an interesting one that I thought was... It's relevant. It's timely. Is that uh, world class doer comes in and says, "I'm just keeping the yeah, of course out of the out of the conversation." He says, "You know, I met a barista. Good." And he says, uh, "I'm going to introduce her to my wife and my two kids." What do you mean? Yeah, I think that uh, I'm going to change the the rules of the relationship now, and I'm bringing her home. This is just recently, so <laughs> so now the barista is living in the guest bedroom with the two kids. And uh, this, you know, it just kind of shifted to an open relationship. How does that even start? He, it sounded like he didn't need advice. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just part of the storyline. <laughs> just part of the storyline? part of the storyline. Now, you know, I worked with, uh, or I'm friends with John Ryan. That's yes. how we, That's how we got to, you know, John, I think John sent you an email. What's up, John? And John loves you. He's the punter for the Seattle Seahawks. And legend. He, I mean, like his career is legendary. He's a legend. Yeah. And he's the nicest guy in the world. And... He's like, this guy just comes in. What is it you do? Is you have a, a sort of a, when you first approach a team, you come in, they're like, uh, Pete Carroll's like, oh, guys, uh, he always chews gum weird. You notice his mouth's always chomping. Non sequitur. But, you know, he walks in and he's he says, guys, this is uh, Michael Gervais. You're all fucked. He's going to help you. That was actually my first. That's classic. <laughs> that was my first entree into sport, pro sport. It was in hockey. And hockey so, yeah well that was football but so hockey was yeah hockey was my first like it's okay so it's been i've all the traditional stick and ball sports i've been part of action adventure sports as well been fortunate to work in the olympics and on fighter pilot or uh on um the uss truman you know with fighter pilots and heads of departments it was awesome but anyway so i've, I've been around uh, into many different environments hockey was the first one and I think you'll appreciate this. You I'm like sure. hockey. You know hockey. You saw you my room hockey. full of hockey yeah. jerseys. Yeah, I'm a big – yeah, Sully's a friend of uh, – we're friend, mutual friends of Sheldon Surrey. Great hockey player. He retired. But, uh, yeah, but go ahead about hockey. In my first gig, and I meet the G – How old are you? Oh, gosh, what is this? This was probably 94, somewhere in that range. So you're you're 20. Yeah. I'm, what? No, it's, it's, no I, was, I was born in 71. So this was must have been, I was like 25, 24, 25, young. You're young. young. And this is your first profession. I mean, you got so you got to yeah. be nervous at this. No. So. Oh yeah. You don't get nervous. I did that already. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I've been nervous enough. <laughs> I've, 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 I've worn out that wick. So here's how it goes. So the, the medical director, the head doc for the team comes in and we have some exchanges. I've got an extrusion in my back. So there's a herniation and an extrusion. So it was a surfing accident and one disc popped out, one disc popped in. And the one that popped in was floating around my spinal cord. I mean, can you imagine like what it was like to be a 20 some year old with no. like, well, yeah, I've had five major back surgeries. There you go. So I, you know I, exactly. I, I get it. I know it. Okay. So we have, we, we have switched on to a really good conversation. He's like, you know what? This team could really benefit. Like, I think the coach could like, this could be great. He goes, have you ever worked in hockey? I said, no. Did you ever play hockey? No. Okay. But, you know, I still think that this could work. So he introduces me to the general manager. 
great conversations. The three of us, great conversation. And the GM says, this is it. This is going to be amazing. This is really going to help us. We're right on the edge of doing some great things in this team. So deal done. Deal and, done. Sign a contract. Yeah. You're going to make a lot of money to help this team. No, it wasn't a lot of money at that 50, time. 50000 yeah. <laughs> Carry some bags. Okay. You know. Okay. So um, I was like, I, so I'm young. I'm wet behind the ears. I barely know. Th- I, I'm, I don't think I was... I just started my master's degree or I just finished my master's and hadn't finished even started. I think my PhD, I don't know anything. I really don't, but I had figured some stuff out about how I worked. Right. But I didn't know the body of knowledge yet. So I come in and he says, meet us at practice to Tuesday, whatever clock right after practice, we'll introduce it to the coach. I mean, think about what I did. I signed a contract without even meeting the coach. Oh, what am boy. I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? You can get your ass kicked. Oh my God. So <laughs> looking back, it's unbelievable what I did. So I'm there as, I, I don't know, I, I probably weigh 180 pounds. And so I walk in and uh, I'm on the side of the ice and I'm a surfer. Right. Okay. I didn't have a jacket on. So can you imagine this picture? Catching a cold. Oh, geez. Not so, running down your nose. So he look, coach looks over and he, and he gives me a nod. And then he brings all the boys in, they whistle, uh, he blows a whistle, and then come to learn, he bags them. Extra 15 minutes on the ice, skating blue line, red line, blue line, red line, just bags them. So they're exhausted. We go into the locker room and I'm pretty excited now. Like this is like, oh my gosh, this is okay. We're starting. You're excited and you're not nervous at all, really. Well, maybe mm. a little because it's new. It's new. It's yeah, different. The, you know, I was just, cold. Right. You're cold. Don't look down there. Your back hurts. Yeah, so, no, no, it didn't at that point. Okay. I was, I was good. So, God. so. So there's a lot of, there's a buzz in me for sure. And he says, uh, Gervais, um, let's go to my office and talk. And as he's walk, as we're walking through the locker room, so there's like a hallway that you go through, right? And then the, there's that rubber carpet that everyone's all, and they all look like they're 15. Yeah, they're an extra than, four inches on skates. Yeah. And as we're walking through the locker room, he says to the guys, he says, Hey guys, stay in your gear. We'll be right back out. And so we go in a locker or we go into his office. He closed the door. It's about a five minute conversation, maybe seven minutes, somewhere in there. And he's just nodding his head. So he's asking questions and he's nodding. I'm answering. He's nodding his head. I'm like, oh, this is easy. This, this is a nice little conversation. So he goes, okay, ready to meet the boys? I said, sure. And so we go out and he walks to, we walk to the center of the room and he says, um, all right, boys. So this is Gervais. If you're fucked up in the head, go see him. <laughs> and he walks off. And so at that moment, I was like, oh, okay. Did so you I, have to correct him? No. Well, so this is going to sound like I'm a tough guy. And I'm not, by, by any means. But I, I didn't come from money. I don't need your money. I don't need hockey. I don't need pro anything. I didn't care about working with pros. I just want to work, work with people that want to figure out how the shit works. Yeah. So he's about four steps away to his office. And I said, hey, coach, my door's open for you. And I was like, you know. I got a degree in street psychology, I think, before sports psychology. And so the room erupts. The boys are throwing the Gatorade cans around. Like the room erupts. They're howling and hooting. And from that moment, it was like, all right, what's this kid got to say? You know, so it. Wow. Yeah. So that was my entry in there. And so I got punked. And so I. That's. I met the punk, right? Like I, yeah. I met it in a good yeah, way. Like yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm bragging in that story, but that was the, the actual story. And I feel really good about it too. Like I, there's been plenty of times when I've like, I wish I would have said something and I didn't, but this one I did. Do you ever feel like a, even today, like a failure at something? Imposter syndrome. Professors at Stanford, when they're asked to come into Stanford to be a, a new professor, they are asked to take a course called imposter syndrome. 
because when they've done something to get asked to be a professor at Stanford and they walk down the halls and they see back, they see, you know, Nobel Peace Prize winner, you know, the, oh my God, that's the legend I've been reading about for 20 years. And so there's the littered with real intelligence. So they asked people to take the, the course on imposter syndrome, recognizing that it's a real deal. The fear that one day you'll be found out that you don't know what they think you know, like that's a real deal. And so when you ask that question, that's where I go. Uh, you know, like, and I've wrestled with it big time. And even as we're talking, you know, like I know some stuff and I know that I, I don't know very much. This, I'm still a beginner. I honestly remember I was doing a show and they cast me. And I remember right after I got cast, I go, well, now I'm going to film the pilot and they're going to fire me because they're going to realize I'm not that good or I'm not good looking enough or I'm not. And I had that fear and I had that fear. And then I remember asking the director and he's like, Hey, you want to look at, you know, some of the stuff, you know, in the, we did ADR, which is your voice when you go in dub stuff. I'm sure you've done that. Maybe not. But I went in there and I, I looked at it and I, I go, am I, you think I'm, is there a chance they're going to fire me or anything? He's like, I want you to watch something. And I watched it and I go, Ooh, I'm really good. Yeah. They're not going to fire me. Really good. I remember saying it out loud and everybody laughed. <laughs> so, yeah. but you know, I think we, I think look, that's a human nature. You can't, there's nobody out there that doesn't think, you know, Hey, you know, when the Seahawks against the new England Patriots a couple of years ago, when that, when they threw that ball and it was intercepted on the one yard, when they had the game, which what, what game are you talking about? You asshole. <laughs> he got me. He got me. Yeah, that's a good look. But they probably thought like they were failures for a second. They forgot about the Super Bowl they won the year before, and they thought like they were failures. There's probably that moment. That's just a, a human moment, right? You know what's amazing about our brain? Go back to that for a minute. Yeah. Is there's no redundancies. So it's beautifully complicated, but the same centers or regions of the brain that are responsible for grief, like loss of a loved one, are amplified during loss of a game. It's amazing. So literally walking into the locker room after that game, I've never felt the intensity of emotion less one other time that I'll compare it to that was on full tilt. And it was all emotions that were painful. Sure. And so six foot eight is crying. Six foot seven is ripping his locker apart. Six foot four over there is uh, undoing his wraps, uh, screaming at the top of his lungs. Why? There was the um, the gentleman next to me, um, uh, just like he, he was an older gentleman, so I won't tell you who he was. But he was he was just like sobbing. It was all of the tense emotions that you could imagine: anger, hurt, scared, you know, searching, yearning. And it was amazing, and it was on point. Do you think I would have got my ass kicked if I walked in and said, "You won it last year. Who cares?" <laughs> something would have. I would have got my ass kicked. Now, something, did something you know? I'm not saying a fucking word right now. I don't need to say anything. I'm there if they need me. But I'm yeah. not saying anything. That's not my place. Yeah. So you just kind of you you don't you feel you seem like one of those guys who's like, hey, I'll help you if you need help. If you want to come to me, I'm there. But it, I'm not going to come to you. Yeah. I mean, this is Coach Carroll's. It begins and ends with Coach Carroll, and so he shapes the culture. He shapes. You know, he's got a concept that he calls long body, a beautiful concept, born out of Native American thinking, which is we are all connected, one mind one body. It's a long body. And so um, we're all in it together. And so not until every one of us heals do, does this organization, does this one body heal, this long body. So um, yeah, it's he is, I don't know if I had the chance to meet him, but he, his vision about how things can work and could work is extraordinary. And his ability to amplify the culture to help people become great is like nothing I've been around before. I was done with pro sport. And then we met. I didn't want, I didn't want to do it anymore. I mean, 
the narcissistic blowing up of microphones just for the self-absorbed conversations about how great a person is, like just felt sloppy and it was just, it was just overwhelming to me. So I, I was done with pro sports at that point. Then we had dinner. We, a mutual friend put us together and I was like, this is a beautiful human. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, wow. And so he, um, I was up at his organization. I was up at the Seahawks and for sure it was different. Um, you founded the Pinnacle Performance Center. Yeah. So he and I actually, so that was long ago. So Pinnacle Performance is the boutique concierge, um, bespoke sports psychology, performance psychology services down in Los Angeles. And so that's been around for a while and that's, you know, just one or two clients a month is what I see there uh, doing that. And then he and I founded a company together, Coach Carol and I, called Compete to Create. So his philosophy, go back to philosophies, his is always compete to be the best dad, to be the best coach, friend, father. And then my philosophy is every day is an opportunity to create a living masterpiece. And so we put those two words together and we we basically on the back of a napkin it started. We took his ideas and my ideas that we've been doing together at the Seahawks. We wrote them down. We shared them with the CEO of Microsoft and we formalized it. We incubated it. We worked with, and so it's how to train the mind is really what this is about. He's got an advanced degree in, in, in training the mind as well uh, in psychology. And so we wrote down everything that we've been doing together on how to train the mind and amplify the culture. And so we started with 12 people at Microsoft. It turned into 24 to 2,400. We've now done 30,000 people, eight hours a person on how to train their mind at Microsoft. That's 240,000 human hours of conditioning their mind. We have reached one in five. So that was the idea, right? Can we impact one in five people at Microsoft to be more present? And God is uh, talk about smart people. <laughs> Jesus, like unbelievable. Oh my God. Do you help sm not smart people? So. <laughs> yeah, what, could you, could I, could I do this? Could I say, Hey, Michael, are you so busy or so whatever? Like there's no, like if I called you and I said, Hey, you know, I'd love to do this. I'd love to do a program. I'd love to, you, you have the time to work with something like me? No, you don't No, but we, we could go to coffee. We go get a tea. So you don't have time. Mm-mm. Really? Yeah, I'm doing like one, one, maybe, maybe two a month. And so that being said, you know, one slips out, one slips in. But so kind of, I should say. But the, the stuff that I'm – so the way that I've organized my professional life is I've got three working laboratories. One is Pinnacle, two clients a month. Um, and then one is Compete to Create, which is taking the insights and the science and the art from world-class athletes and franchises into business. Right, and we got a scalable tech-based based business there that we're we're rolling out, and then the third is finding mastery. And so inside of finding mastery, I've got two components. One is the podcast, right? right? And then I'm um, every couple of years I'm part of uh, I'm either selected or I find a project that is right on the edge of like human potential. So right now I'm working with a gal named Leah Ditton, and this is public, so it's okay to talk about. And she's going to row solo row from Japan to San Francisco. A what? Solo row. Her and the boat and her oars and How no, the hell does that happen? No guide boat, just her in the ocean. It's it's somewhere between four and six months, depending on what currents she gets somewhere caught in. Between insane and fucked. Yeah, that's where it is. So think about so that's so, crazy. So the laboratory here for me is Gosh. extreme aloneness. Like what happens to extreme it's a, and the effort is extraordinary. Fourteen hours of rowing a day? For four months to six months. Oh my God. So anyone that wants to be part of that project, like she, she's right in the phase of securing funding and projects. Like there's maybe part of your listener base is like, yes, I yeah. want to be part of that. Like, so where can they go? Or we don't know. They don't know yet. Well, right. Leah didn't. You, D I T T O N. Okay. You can find her online. So, so you're not going to help me. 
Is that what we're doing? Well, I think this has helped me, and this is helping a lot of people. What are you shaking your head for, Rob? I'm just saying, like, hey, if we got it. You said you have tea or coffee with you. Right. So it sounds to me like he only does guys like a really big, like the Elon Musks, and like you're really busy. Somebody who's. I've enjoyed this conversation. Have you? Yeah, a lot. You know, when I came in, I think you'll appreciate this. Um, People that are funny can be really scary. Really? Well, I was scared of you. Yeah, see how that works? And so I came in going, God, I wonder, like, how this is going to go. Because like sometimes humor can go quick, it can bite, and it's like, oh, what just yeah, happened? Yeah, well, I was disrespectful. Down. I was just no, open no, it was and beautiful. Yeah, right. Yeah, you good. know, I, let me read this. Um, but overall, you had a good time. I, I have enjoyed. Not that I give a shit. <laughs> See, not that I give a shit. See, what you we, think. we've already done some work now, haven't See? we? <laughs> you said something on Twitter that I really liked. Let me read it. Um, can you give me any dramatic music? Freedom happens from pushing the boundaries so far. That playfulness is the experience, even in rugged environments. Sounds so dramatic. Okay, let me me read it funnier. Yeah. (laughs) Freedom (laughs) happens from pushing the boundaries so far that playfulness is the experience. I I like this quote. Yeah, cool. You came up with that? Sure. Did it take you time? Did you like uh, delete, go back, go back? It wasn't like one train of thought. You took you probably a good hour to come up with that one. Um, I, I... I've come to appreciate like little gems that Twitter forces you to do. Like I've come to appreciate that. So yeah. no, but I think that's a pretty standard thought. I don't think that's well, it's just sure. worded well. Yeah, you know, like, but that isn't that what we're looking for? Like, can we play in the spaces that once yes. were? You know, like really perfect example. And we're almost done here. But uh, when I the, the most fun I have, and this is where I have to connect my the mind and the the body and the brain and i have to do i have to work this out but when i go play ice hockey on monday or sunday nights with with you know it's competitive it's a blast for an hour and a half i sweat and i skate and i fucking love it and i feel great Mm. and i don't think about anything Mm. and there's no stress and there's no nervous or anxiousness or oh my god oh my god and then then that's gone that, so why can't I recreate what happens there in my real life? That's that I love that thought because you've used sport as a forcing function, right? To be all in. And so that you've used like one of the more ancient ways to be able to force yourself to be fully present, you know, which is fast paced, moving, rugged environments. Like think about the action sport athletes like Felix. Like Alex Honnold. Do you know Alex Honnold? Do you know who that is? No. So he just climbed. I think he's one of the more significant minds in sport right now. He just free soloed El Capitan. 3,000 sheer granite, straight up, no ropes, no harnesses. Oh, my God. I think Check him out. I think he's one of the more significant minds in sport based on what he's doing. And so that's a forcing function to be fully present. Zen, Zen Buddhists have been practicing being fully present in different ways. So if you're not practicing it, your brain's going to win. And your brain has ample theta brainwaves, right? Alpha, beta, theta, delta, and sometimes gamma. Right. So as we've been talking, do you want me to run through those? You've had gamma and theta. You know, it's been pretty cool. And you started off with beta. So beta is that high-focused energy, like like the gas pedals down and like high-focused, but maybe anxious. And then and then alpha is this cruise control, just kind of mellow, you know, like good focus. Yeah. And then theta is that space right before sleep, kind of the, uh, but that's where gr- really creative ADD-ish stuff happens. That's where you're probably brilliant in that space. And then delta is deep sleep. And then gamma, the last one, the fifth of the nerd stuff here is the, is when you have aha moments. 
And so you've had some variants there. I have. Yeah, it's good, right? It it feels good. It's like, you know, yeah. So you can learn how to control those. If If you're beholden to only theta, you're not getting into flow state, which is what you described as skating, right? Where there's a complete absorption of time and action, a, a distortion of time and, and action and awareness kind of merge together and you're completely engaged in the present moment. You lose track of even awareness of, of where you are. It's amazing. It's, it's a the, beautiful it's thing. It's the most amazing state. And so if, you, if theta is the one you spend most of the time in, it's hard to get to flow by just theta. You need to get to a little bit of beta. Do you think that maybe alpha. more activity, more, no, more hockey, more? No, no, I would say more conditioning and training of your mind. So like, do you have a mindfulness practice? Uh, I do. I do this guided meditation in the morning. It's 15 minutes where they talk and like, just concentrate on your breath and being present. I was thinking about doing an app because I have a really nice voice, I think. You do. Mm -hmm. So check this out, Michael. Mm -hmm. So she's like, right now she's like, okay, right now we're going to just breathe, feel your breath, focus on your breath. When thoughts come in, just, you don't, don't throw them away. You can welcome them, but just maybe remind yourself with words like thinking, thinking. She says that. And then she says, rather instead of rather she says rather than go there to a negative place and she has it and i just 15 minutes go by fast we so, should we should write one together and I then love use, it. use your voice and then you know, i think i think people would buy it mm, i would love to, to do that with you let's, that do, a, that. let's yeah. do that let's do that let's do that why don't you write one I'll, I'll write i'll write 20 of them you'll write 20 of them i'll be the voiceover and we'll do an app and we'll you know it'll be like a five bucks for the app and you get to hear all these great you know, because it's coming from a mind like yours with a, with a voice like mine. Match made in heaven. Dude, this would be great. I think we should actually do a podcast together, too. I think that'd be great. That'd be fun. You need the yin and yang. You, you, need, the, yeah. you need the Mr. Red. What's his name? Uh, Johnny Carson and Mr. Red. That's a horse. Uh, we had Kristen Bell on the show and a bunch of people, but it's become therapy for me. And now I've told you that the show has sort of, we didn't know what it was at first. And now it's become like, hey, look at successful people. They've had faced adversity. They've done things that, you know, you know they're not perfect. And it makes you, again, you feel better about yourselves. But, I love what you're doing with that. Well, way. thanks. I'm, I'm figuring that out. But um, we do a therapy session. Now, I, I could say something based on this whole hour we've had, hour and 20 minutes or whatever. And then I want you to go as my therapist, just what you think, your observation, what you would recommend. When you've sort of told me this, but it's sort of a therapeutic thing. Like I'm, I'm your therapist right now, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm your therapy. I would say I think you, you've you nailed it. I think you know you, your purpose is helping people and you're helping people. I think you, uh, you probably have enough money. So uh, – you should give some free therapy to uh, some people who really need it. More than tea. No, no, that's not true. I look. I don't have. You're, you and, do this. And, and I that, don't have therapy for you. Yeah. That's the reality. Okay. So that that being said, like for real, like I, I'm serious about it. Like if you want to go grab a tea or whatever and have a conversation, but the way that I work is it's eight hours in one day, and we roll up our sleeves and we do two two meals often because we're not going to starve each other, and it is on and it is intense and that's that's the. Uh, is there crying? Oh, there's there's everything, like if you had like, it doesn't have to be anything in eight hours. It doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't have to be anything. No. You you would just talk. Like in other words, you would sit there and talk to me and go, "Hey, so you know, uh, tell me something about your family, about your life." No, about your, you I, don't I, you don't do that. No, I'm not. You don't want to know about that. Yes and no. Like, is it the the context is of the his, of history is important because it shapes where you're coming from, but we are so complicated and multifaceted, textured, nuanced humans that. It is not easy, and I love it. 
it's like this tapestry that you're building right now you're building a tapestry and there's triangles and there's things that are layered on top of it and some things are darker than others and you know it doesn't make sense and it kind of does and it's just so eight hours is a, like the minimum starting place to i have really this weird feeling like i just have this vision of you and me in this big giant i think like a, a basketball arena and we're just seeing like a high school basketball court and there's nobody there Maybe some weird coach in the background just going, what are they doing in there? And you and I are facing each other and we're sitting on chairs looking at each other and you're really close in our arm. We're wearing white shirts and they're rolled up and we're just looking at each other and you're leaning in. You're like, Michael, all right. And that's how it is. Now, what's the first thing you'd say to me? Not to give away your, all your stuff because it's eight hours and it's many times, but what, what's like the first thing you think you'd say to me? But uh, yeah, what, what I normally say to people is, okay, let's have a hug. No, no, that's good, not good, where we're starting. Yeah, no, we're not. I, mean, I would. I like hold hands, take off our shoes. No, uh, it, it is what do I need to understand about who you are? And I'll start there. Like, what do I need to understand? And so then you'll just go somewhere. You'll say, okay, well, let me go back to where I grew up or where I want to go or whatever. And so there's a toggling back and forth between the man that you're working on becoming and where you came from and the man you are today. And so we're toggling back and forth there. We're going up and down in emotions, um, meaning that sometimes people can go straight in into feeling and sometimes other people, we need to dance a little bit. You know, there's an art to all of this. Sure. But, and then, you know, in the background is just solid theory about how people work and recommended ways to train. So it's not complicated in that way. Like it's pretty straightforward, but it's hard work. We're, both of us would be exhausted by the end of the day. Exhausted. No, exhausted. And it's, Do you think I'd be a changed man in eight hours? No, what happens is we get to some, I think the goal at least is to get to some rich insight, like real insight about who you are and who See, you are. See, I think I would probably be embarrassed and eventually I think I'd come out and I'd just say it and say, fuck, I don't care. I'm going to oh, just yeah, tell you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just yeah. tell you how I feel and you'll, you, I feel like I'm, I'm comfortable with you by that yeah. point. And I say some stuff and you're like, you start to program, like figure out. Okay. This yeah, is that's where a, all the that's linking. From. And, yeah, but then without honesty, I, I haven't met anyone on the world stage that is consistently extraordinary without real deep honesty, and th that's what we miss. I think most of us miss about elite athletes and performers is that they have incredible feedback loops that hold them accountable. Right, the world is watching, and there's tape, and there's coaches, and there's peers, and there's people saying that was great, that's not good enough, that was great, that's not good. You, you and I, we don't get that. We don't get those incredibly accurate feedback loops. We're stuck with our own head. Yeah. You know, so having external feedback loops, I don't think no one does this world alone. So why not? Why not do the work with somebody who really sole interest because you're paying them is 100% dedicated to figuring out how you can be the best version of you. And they do it lovingly and intelligently and compassionately. And they love you up and kick your ass like, God bless it. That, I want that. Yeah. I will always wanted that. And so, I, you know, can we have tea? And then, <laughs> look, it's on me. But can we do tea, honestly? And it'll be, just be fun. It's going to be an hour tea. I'm not going to like, you know. But can then you maybe refer me to someone? 50 who could, minute, does, 50, a 50 minute tea. Yeah, who does what you, who does what <laughs> In you your do. Office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can refer tea. me to somebody. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'll be happy to. But let's start with a tea. Listen, I'm going to say this, and this is it. This is, I'm just going to say this. This is honest. My, my opinion, Rob, smiling at me, Sully growling. This conversation is not only helping me, but it's helping anybody. There might be one person out there, maybe five, and maybe one of those five is being helped, which is a ripple effect. Mission-minded. And, and I just, and it, it's been a joy. I was a little nervous. Thanks, you were a little nervous, but now there's this understanding. And um, your, what's your Twitter handle? At 
Michael Gervais, G-E-R-V-A-I-S. And Instagram? Finding Mastery. And that's your podcast? FindingMastery.net. And then LinkedIn. I, I think you guys, if you've listened, to, well, you've already listened to it at this point, if you listen, but um, you get you got to, you know, look at the, what this guy's doing. Thanks, it's pretty sensational. And I'm going to go give John Ryan a big kiss and a hug. And and my other buddy in Seattle, hmm. Mike, Mike Allen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're friends with Mike. Yeah, I think Mike actually made our introduction. I think you're right. And you were like, "Who the fuck is Michael Rosenbaum?" I'm I'm working with fucking the Seattle Seahawks. What's up, Mike? But thank you for allowing me to be inside Uh, of you. Oh yeah, Uh, that sounded weird, but um, I appreciate it. But the show's inside of you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.